get ready. Um, so you get out of your normal clothes, get into your stripper clothes, go downstairs and sit at the bar and talk to people. You're listening to the Juicy Bits Podcast, uncovering the extraordinary in ordinary lives with your host, Jasmine Richwall. Welcome to the Juicy Bits podcast. Today I chat to a lovely woman called Kate, who's an exotic dancer at a club in Melbourne's well-known King Street, a street known for its plethora of strip bars and men's galleries. Now, truthfully speaking, I haven't spent much time in a strip club, so I'm not all that familiar with what goes on, but I am curious to know what it would be like to work as a dancer. Kate is a confident, bubbly, attractive woman and has been in the industry for nearly a decade. She lives a normal life outside of work too, and by normal, I mean she's in a loving long-term relationship with her partner, and just recently they bought a two-bedroom townhouse in a peaceful suburb in Melbourne. Now, stripping might seem like a fun and easy job with loud music, drinks, and men throwing money at you, but ask any woman who's worked in the industry, and they'll tell you it's a job that requires much more time and physical prowess than just jumping up on stage and taking your clothes off. Kate talks about how she has to keep up her physical appearance in order to do her job properly, which is a hectic schedule of working out, tanning, waxing, shaving, nails, hair, makeup, the lot. But before I start the interview, I must let you know that this is Kate's story of life as a stripper. Yes, there are women out there who perhaps have different opinions about the work and the industry, but this is Kate's version. My name's Kate and I work as a dancer on King Street. How long have you been in the industry for? Nine and a half years. And how did you get into it to start? Uh, I was living in a rooming house in Brunswick. It was a shithole. Um, (laughs) I didn't even know those places existed until I moved in. It was a room to let. So I, I moved in there and these people are on the other side of the law pretty much that can't get a lease. So I needed to get money to get out. Um, I'd worked in um, a strip club as a bartender for three shifts and I hated it. And then I thought, I can do that. I can do that job. I was looking through the paper and I saw dancers wanted at one of the clubs on King Street. So I rang up and I went in that day. Did you have an interview? Yeah, I had an interview with the big boss and he normally doesn't take the interviews and he's a real sleaze. But anyway, he's, so he said, strip down. And he said, okay, tone up and tan up. And also, I was hairy. Like, I didn't shave... Like, I didn't do anything for a couple of years before I started dancing. I was just free-loving and hairy. And then he's like, tone up and tan up. So when he asked you to strip down, did you know that he was going to ask you that in the interview? No. What was your initial response? Ah, I'll just do it. I didn't really. I, I knew that was going to happen. I thought it was a bit weird that he wanted to see me naked because normally they every club takes a topless photo or at least an underwear photo. But I have heard that if he takes an interview, he does tell them to strip completely naked, which is wrong. But, oh, well, that was my first incident of being naked to do that. Did that take a lot of courage and guts? Well, I'm a pretty nude person anyway. I knew I would have to do it anyway, so it probably did take a little bit of courage. I was probably a bit nervous getting off, but I didn't really feel that bad about it. So if you can recall your first shift, 
at the club. What was that experience like for you? I was so nervous to get up on stage. Um, that was the worst thing, like getting up and actually having to move in a sexy way was really confronting because I didn't know how. Like, I can't even dance and I still can't. That was probably the hardest thing. And then speaking to people because you have to ask them to go for a dance and I didn't actually know, I thought they would come to you and go, hey, let's, let's go for a dance. So, But I didn't know that you had to go and ask them. So I, I think I made like $80 because I asked two people. <laughs> so who teaches you uh, at the beginning of your career how to do everything? The, I did this for a long time when I was doing it eventually, but um, uh, one of the dancers at the club sort of trains you, gives you a few moves on the stage, gives you a few moves in the private dance room. They give you a lap dance to and then you have to do it for them. And then after that, it's just you on your own learning. So do you find yourself, or did you find yourself watching other girls and seeing how they go about yeah. their shift? Yeah, but you can't spend too long going watching them because then you're not doing it either. You're not, but yeah, but I, I actually, when I got really good at it, um, at one of the last club I was working at, I really, I noticed that all the new girls were coming in and just having no clue. So I said, how about I train them? And I did that for about two and a half years. I trained them and and I was really good at training them and I get, took about two hours to train them. I take them upstairs and do show them a few moves, just, just a few basic moves just to get through the shift. And then after that, they have to learn on their own. Talk about how they come up and hustle customers, tell them how to approach them, show them how to do a dance on stage, how to do a lap dance. Did they look up to you almost like a mentor for those years, you think? Yeah, but then after that, like, then also it's, it's a friendly face to speak to because when you're new, when you're around all these naked girls, you don't really... It, it can be quite intimidating and at least to, if you're friendly, it's just one person to go and speak to when, when you're around all these girls that you don't know if they're going to be bitchy or not. And I was going to ask you about that. What's the culture like? It's really quite friendly, actually. It can it's intimidating at first because you go in and you you don't even expect like you don't know that you're going to see nude nudity everywhere. That's how naive people can be. Like, am I actually going to see boobs? And then you see boobs and vaginas and and girls comparing vaginas and comparing boobs and putting tan on and like you know just <laughs> and so that is quite confronting. But it's. It's, it's a lot of sisterhood, though. We do really look out for each other because we're all getting treated like shit by the guys and we're all... Um, so we all know. We all know that we have our periods and have to, <laughs> have to look out for each other. And, um, but, yeah, there, of course there's going to be some bitchiness. It's a, it's a culture of girls. Yeah, so it's almost like a sisterhood, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. But, yeah, of course, if you put a bunch of girls in a room, like, there's going to be some bitchiness, but that's that can happen in any workspace. What does a typical day at work look like? We go in, go up to the change room first, put your makeup on, chat and laugh with the girls while you're doing your makeup and tan or whatever. I don't wear tan. I hate it. And Do you have to? Is it a prerequisite? Some At some clubs, yes, you have to. I have been told to wear tan at another club, but I haven't been told at this one. And then go out onto the, onto the floor, like in the club room, where there's heaps, it's really quite loud music. 
then I sit at the bar and, ask, and buy a drink or get someone to buy me a drink. So it's kind of like you're at a club, but uh, and you chat to guys and chat to the girls and when you and you do your tables. So that's when you go on stage and dance. So it's it's so normal for me now. I don't really that's that's just what it looks like for me now. You just go upstairs, do your makeup, and do your or well, I, I work upstairs now. That's the club I'm at. We, the change rooms upstairs. Get ready. Um, so you get out of your normal clothes get into your stripper clothes, go downstairs and sit at the bar and talk to people. When you interact with them, do you tell them your name? Yeah, so I have a stage name. What is the conversation like when you interact with the customers? Oh, I ask them their name and what, what brings them here. I tell them my name. Their first questions are always, what's your name? How old are you? Where are you from? I always bring the conversation back to them because they all want to know about me. They all want to know, but I, it, it's not about me in the club. It's about them. It's about them having a good time. So I say, well, you're going to have a great time in the dance. You're going to just feel like a god. <laughs> and are you ever surprised with any of their responses? Do any of them open up? Oh, I don't know if I get surprised anymore because it's from day one you hear the same stuff that they they ask the same stuff that they'll ask me on the last day I ever work but they some people do really open up and really reveal quite a lot because it's a safe place because they don't know you and so you're not going to go and tell their wife you're not going to go and it, it can they can be more open if if it's in an environment where I'm naked obviously like there's no barriers so they they do get quite revealing sometimes you're quite fit. Do I probably was. <laughs> oh, do you find that you have to maintain your fitness level and work on your body? I think I should. But there's less dancing than there is sitting around. I can work a pole, but I don't, I don't do any like, choreography and dancing. So I, probably, I should maintain stuff. Like I do have to... I, I maintain flexibility and just at least to, to look good around the pole, but... Yeah, not everybody's fit. And I need to be fitter. And I tell everybody I need to be fitter. <laughs> do the other girls also work out and take care of themselves? A lot do. Yeah, look, it's, uh, there are a lot of glamour models there, and there are a lot of, but there are all girls. That's, that's what guys want. Everybody, there's no one typical girl that anyone wants. Mm -hmm. So there are girls that are not so fit. There are girls that are. There are girls that live in all sorts of areas. There are girls that are educated. There are girls that aren't. What are your hours of work? Well, this club is an early one, but I have worked, like, you know, 12-hour shifts. Typically, I start at 9 and finish at 2 or 3 on a weeknight. Typically, I start at 9 and finish at 5 on a weekend. So you've been in the industry for nine years. Have you seen it change over time in terms of the types of customers? Yeah. Or in terms of what's been the difference over the years? The men. They used to, men didn't used to maintain themselves like they do now. Like, guys just did not care about what they looked like back when I started. And now they've all got product and, like, fancy shirts on or fancy shirts that cost $100 but look like shit and, like, <laughs> like hair like that. And Like, I used to be able to run my fingers through guys' hair and now you're struggling to get it through. <laughs> and... This might sound weird, but the drug culture has actually changed what 
is in the club scenes as well. So back when MDMA was good and the customers would come in and it wasn't so, it wasn't mainstream, the customers would come in and they'd be high on drugs. Oh my God, I can't believe I'm talking to a stripper. Oh, like, you're just, a, you're just a real lovely person. And I didn't realise that I'd come into the strip club and be like, wow, this is a real nice person and you're just a really nice normal girl and I'm talking to a stripper here and I'm, oh, sorry, I didn't mean to touch you. Oh, sorry, am I talking a lot? And now there, there's no good MDMA around, or sometimes there is, when people are more on ice and G, they're a bit more aggressive. So the... What's happening in the drug culture can actually change the culture of the customers as well. Which is a big problem. I mean, that's a separate issue altogether, but that's quite prominent now. Yeah. Especially in this capital cities. Yeah. Look, I, we don't really... Alcohol abuse is, pro, is always going to be the worst one, but, but when people can't get into a nightclub and they come into a strip club, they're not really the paying sort of customers. They're just, like... They think they're pretty cool because they're on drugs and they don't really want to spend any money and they want to be smart asses. So that's, that's more what it is rather than violence. There's not really a lot of violence in strip clubs. Like, Do you reckon it's changed over the years because perhaps you've worked in different sorts of clubs which have a different customer base and maybe that's been the change? Yeah, that, that can happen too because I work at a club now that has a lot of regulars come in because it's an older one. Um, the, but, yeah, the, the younger clubs and the clubs that are closer to nightclubs do get more of those customers and the clubs that aren't in, a, like, a, a nightclub hub get less of those people. Kate, what does a good night at work look like? A good night doesn't necessarily have to be busy. A good night can be a busy club, like a busy night where you're just getting lots of dancers, lots of people coming up and coming up and talking to you and you're talking with everybody. But a good night is where I mostly where people are friendly and happy to happy to um, take up your time and pay for it rather than time wasters. A bad night is where um, it can a bad night can look like a look like a busy night but everybody is just really rude and everybody is just a time waster and the girls get grumpy and that sort of escalates but a good night is where all the girls are happy and that energy is there and people are friendly and people are spending money and giving the girls at the bar tips and um and where you're in the dance room a lot and getting paid for your time that's what a good night looks like compared to a bad night where people can be quite rude and nasty and the money that you get, is that yours? Do you, or do you have to share that with the girls? No, that's mine. Yeah, so Melbourne works a little bit differently than other places I've worked at. I've worked in Adelaide where you pay at the pay at the counter and then you pick up your money afterwards. The customers pay at the counter and you get a percentage of that, um, but you pay hardly any house fee. So in Melbourne, you pay a one-off fee at the club and then when the customers give you the money, you keep it. Right, and what works better for you? That way, yeah. Because that way you don't have to keep on going and paying somebody to, to do... Yeah, you don't have to keep going to a counter. So it's almost like an incentive to... Help. The more you put in for the night in terms of your effort, the more money you make. Yeah. So if you sit at the bar and drink all night, then you don't make any money. <laughs> do some girls do that? <laughs> yes, sometimes I do. <laughs>
<laughs> you don't, we don't always have the energy. Some people, so there are just some nights where you, it's just not on. And, and how do you get through those nights? I mean, we all have bad days at work. Um, well, look, I'm, I'm pretty friendly with the girls and the, and the bar staff, so just a lot of, just a lot of gossiping and, and sitting around because the, it's, a, it's a friendly culture, so sometimes I just talk it out. How do you go about being in a relationship or having a relationship whilst doing the work that you do? Well, the relationship is very separate to the work I do. I don't, I don't go home with the customers, I don't kiss the customers, I don't have sex with the customers, so it's all. And a lot, of, a lot of men don't understand, like they get very jealous and possessive and don't understand the work, but I'm in a very lucky position where that isn't the case. So that's, that works for me and that's great. So that, that's how we go about it. I couldn't imagine having a partner that did have a problem with it. Knowing that you are in a loving, supportive relationship, it's almost against the stereotype for anyone thinking that you can work, do the work that you do, but you've also managed to find a life partner. Mm. But, yeah, but that's not what, it, that's not what we tell people. That's not what... And a lot, of, a lot of people are single that do it, but I'm not. And... Yeah, but there are a lot of single girls and a lot of um, that can... There's, there's, there can be a lot of promiscuity and that's great. I, I love that people have sex with everybody and, um, <laughs> and, and do that. But, yeah, typically I would like to, like to think that we can all... We all have that in us. But, yeah, at work it's a different story. It's party girl and I've got... Every a, a guy for every day of the week. <laughs> so that's that's what it looks like when I'm talking to people. What are the challenges of your job, um, if, if there are any? Oh, the challenges are when you when people are rude. I've started combating that when they touch my bum when I don't want them to. I call them a creep because no guy wants to be called a creep. So rather than getting angry with them, you just go. Don't be a creep. And they're like, oh, shit, I'm so sorry. Their attitude completely changes. Is that almost instant? Yeah. They hate it. That word creep, they hate it. So you just call them a creep and they, they back off completely. Uh, so that's a challenge. Wearing the high heels are a challenge. My Achilles are actually starting to get a bit damaged from it. Really? Um, my knees are hurting. My back hurts. So physically it's challenging. I'm used to the late nights, actually. That's not, a, that's not a problem anymore. But when you do have to get up in the day, like when I have to fix my car and the mechanic needs it at 8 in the morning and you've worked till 2 and got home at 3, then that's a challenge. The challenge can also be when you, when you really need money, you just don't have the, you don't have the energy to do it. And you, ha you have to. You have to push yourself all the time. I get a free pass when it comes to having sex with girls and that, that's allowed in my relationship and that 
I do. I have picked up girls at the club and had sex with them. And <laughs> where I've had um, sex in the toilets. I had a threesome with two girls in the toilet, in the booths. So that happens. Not so much now. Midgets have got up on the stage and started dancing. A guy, I, I saw that one, a guy, which I didn't see, jumped from upstairs and firefighted down the pole. <laughs> so, I mean, there are always laughs to be had. You can get in a silly mood and just dance just stupidly on the stage. Sometimes a bartender will put your favourite song on and that's always, that's always good when you get your favourite song on. Sometimes the customers just are, like, they can, be, they can be awful, but they can be really, really funny. You can just have such a great time talking to the customers and talking to the girls. So, I mean, it's not all doom and gloom. Like, it's, it's actually the most fun job I've had. And when eventually I don't do it, those, are the, those will be the things that I look at and go, wow, I, I will sit in an office somewhere and say, wow, I really do not have the same conversations in an office that I do at work. <laughs> How long do you see yourself in the game for? I've been doing it a long time. I actually am a qualified teacher and I've got some work last year. I haven't had any work this year, um, so I'm applying for other jobs. So when I get another one, I'll phase one in and phase that one out. The places that you work at, do they provide you with food or anything like that anything during your shift? Not really. No, you have to pay for everything yourself. Some clubs, you pay a house fee and you'll get some sandwiches or something at some places on the weekend. But, and if you work at a place that has a restaurant there, then you can get discount meals. But they have... There is like a vending machine, they provide water, some places provide fruit, but really it's you have to bring all your own stuff, your own makeup. Some places have costumes for like fantasy nights, but yeah, it's really all your own game. I assume public holidays, long weekends, does that change the sort of crowds that come in as opposed to an every day of the week? Yeah, the day before a public holiday is normally busier than, than a day than just a regular day, but long weekends can also mean that people go on holidays. And school holidays, it's quiet because the single dads get their kids for the week. <laughs> so that means the customers interact with you and tell you whether they're married, the children they have. Yeah, yeah, a lot, a lot do. Some don't admit to being married, but you see a wedding ring. Oh, really? Do mm. you pull them up on that? No, I used to. But unless, unless they're rude, like if they ask me to go home with them, like, really? You're married. But, or, or I just play along. I don't really care. I don't really care what their story is because they don't care what my story is. Kate, what advice do you have for young girls, women out there? Well, not to be afraid of anything. Don't be embarrassed about your body. Don't be, be open about it. But be, stand up for yourself because men try to take advantage of it. At least if people are pretty open and you can get taken advantage of. So if anything like that happens, turn around and say, well, is that what gets you off? Touching me when you know I don't want to be touched. Like, don't be a creep. You're a creep. That makes you a creep if you do that, and they hate it. They hate knowing that that's what they've done because they've got mothers and sisters themselves and they don't want to be put in that category of other people. It's an othering thing. Like, other people do that, not me. I'm not like those people. That's so interesting that 
you say put it back on them because most women when they're in a vulnerable situation like that all we can think about is how it's affecting us rather than what can we say to change the situation and turn around yeah. on the male. Yeah. And have you seen many of those over the years, those scenarios, or with other girls that you've worked with? Well, a lot of women get taken advantage of. A lot of men actually take advantage of women that have money. That's just sad, and I don't know how to ever rectify that, and that's that's in other people's lives. But, yeah, at the club, that's, that's it is one way to, to do it. Put it back on them and make them feel bad for actually trying to expect something of us. You're listening to the Juicy Bits Podcast. Uncovering the extraordinary in ordinary lives with your host, Jasmine Richwall.